Good morning. <laughs> There's one good morning, I think. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, it's good to be here with you. Uh, we are starting a new series today that's going to take us uh, from today up until Advent. Uh, so over the next uh, three months, we want to talk about um, we want to talk about the church. We want to talk about what it is. We want to talk about what it does. We want to talk about how it functions, how it's set up. Um, we just want to, to talk about the kind of church that we want to be here um, in this place, on this corner, in this city, um, in the world around us. Uh, church is um, a very loaded word. Um, let's talk about it for just a second. The, the word church comes from a Greek, Greek word, uh, ekklesia, which uh, literally means uh, called out. Um, it's a compound word to draw out, and it originally applied to any gathering of human beings, all right? So anytime human beings gathered, they were the ecclesia. Uh, oftentimes, they would call for people to come gather in the public square and then have like a pronouncement read to them from, you know, the government, whatever, um, and that was ecclesia. Over time, this word began to uh, refer to just um, the religious following of Jesus. Um, and so when we use the word church, we use it in the context of a group of people who are uh, following Jesus. And that word appears over 100 times in the New Testament. So the Bible talks about church. Uh, it only appears twice in, in the Gospels, which is interesting to me. Um, almost every reference to uh, the church appears in Acts or later in the New Testament, except for two in the Gospels. Um, and so the Bible talks to us a lot about church. It's a gathering of people for a particular purpose. In our case, that purpose is the worship of God and His work in the world. And I grew up um, in the church. So that From day one, I was part of the church. Any other church babies from the time you were born, you were in church? Okay, so several of us here, that was, that was our experience. Um, I'm assuming the rest of you came to church later in life and not earlier than that. Um, that was dumb. Uh, so uh, I grew up in church. My father is a pastor. My grandfather is a pastor. I have a particular relationship with church because of that. And I, I love the church. Um, the church is, is um, I'm deeply passionate about the gathering of Christ's people, the body, um, the family of God, whatever, whatever turn of phrase we use to describe that. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks, the, the metaphors that we use to talk about church and what those metaphors mean. Uh, and I believe that Jesus is deeply passionate about his church as well. I believe that Jesus loves his church, partially because the New Testament tells us that Jesus loves his church. If he, book of Ephesians uh, tells us that Jesus loves his church. But church is a loaded word for us. Um, some of us may have grown up in the church, been born in the church like I was, like many of you just indicated, and your experience with the church is not one of deep passion. Your experience with the church may be one of hesita uh, hesitation or reservation. Uh, your experience with the church may have been one where you grew up in church, left for a while, and came back. Your experience with church may have been finding it as an adult or in college and discovering uh, church at that point in your life, at a later stage 
in your life. Your experience with church may have been influenced by family members, a, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle. Your experience with church may have happened through a friendship. A friend invited you to become um, part of a church, to come and, and worship with a group of people. Uh, your experience with church may be a wholly pleasant one. Your experience with church may be a rocky one in some regards. We all have a different context when we begin talking about the word church. Church itself, that word can be used to describe a number of different things, and so we just need to be aware of that as well. Uh, when we use the word church, we may be talking about just a very small group of people. Two or three or four or five people together can be church. That can be a, a churchy time when you gather with, with a small group of people for fellowship or for worship or for service or for um, food or for whatever. A church can be like this is here, just a local congregation in a particular place in a particular time in the world um, that is more formal. We've got a, we've got a building. We've got um, statements up on the wall. We've got pastors. We do things um, like have programming, and church can be that. Church can be, uh, when we use that word, we can, we can talk about a denomination, a particular denomination. And so when we use the word church, uh, we may be referring to something that's larger than a single congregation. We may be referring to something that is a group of congregations. Um, the Methodist church, the Catholic church, the Orthodox church. Or church could be something even bigger than that, church, big C, uh, church can be uh, the worldwide body of Christ made up of people from every nation and every language who worship in many, many different ways and attend many, many different kinds of gatherings from, from secret and hidden churches in persecuted places to, um, to Pentecostal churches to Protestant churches to Reformed churches to Catholic churches, to Orthodox churches, to Coptic churches, so on and so forth. And all of that together is church. So when we use the word church, uh, sometimes we have to define what we mean because it's this really big word that can mean all of these different things. As we talk about church over the next few weeks, we really want to talk mostly about our church, this place, this particular congregation, although there are times where we will talk also about the big C worldwide church, and there are times that we will talk about uh, individuals who make up the church or small groups that make up the church. Um, the other thing that we have to be aware of as we talk about church, and we've already alluded to this, is that church can be a very, very difficult and very, very hard thing for many people. Uh, many of us have uh, what we would consider to be church hurt or church trauma in some way. I am not immune to that, even though I am a pastor, and even though I grew up in a pastor's household, and even though I grew up in church and love the church, and can say that without equivocation, I still have church hurt in my life. Um, in fact, I think it would be abnormal, perhaps, for pastors not to have church hurt in their life at some point. Um, and I just want to be real and honest about that. There are things that, that I was taught growing up in church. Um, that, that have done a number on me. Uh, I, am, I still wrestle with the things that I was taught through purity culture, and I still have a very awkward relationship with the concepts and the realities of sex and sexuality in my own life because of, 
of the things I was taught. I, I have trouble sometimes with grace because of how I was raised and how I was taught in the church. Uh, in many cases, and, and I, again, my dad was my minister. I don't mean to like knock him as I say these things, but like in many cases, as I grew up in either church or youth group, like church became about a set of rules or a set of, of behaviors that I had to do and, and less about freedom and joy and grace. Um, I remember my parents' church several years ago was building a new building, and they thought at that time, like, this would be a, a great time to revisit who we are and to come up with, like, a new slogan and a new mission and all that stuff. And so they, they were looking for words that kind of defined what church was for, for them, the church I grew up in, um, that I had since long ago had, had grown up and, and uh, moved away from. But they decided that they wanted to be uh, known as a place to believe and a place to belong, and they wanted a third word, and they couldn't figure out what the third word was, and my mother kept pitching the word behave. Because <laughs> that's, like, that's, that was, and honestly, like, it's funny, it really is, but that's her framework of church. Like, was a place to teach us how to behave in a particular way. Uh, they eventually decided on become instead of behave, place to become. Um, but I, I, that's what I grew up in, and I wrestled with church hurt. And even as an adult, um, the church that I was in, I was in a, a, a church, the last church I was at, I was there for 20 years. And for most of that time, the church was praying, or at least telling me they were praying, that I would find a wife. They really wanted me to find a wife, which is fine, because I did too. Um, <laughs> and about the time I got okay with God saying that I was going to be single, that's when that happened. Um, so I, I actually got married. And they were very celebratory of that until they realized that I was not going to give the church as much time as I had been because I have this other relationship in my life. And I actually had an elder tell me one time that I was not allowed to turn my cell phone off in order to spend time with my wife. There's, there's some hurt that I carry and some defensiveness and awkwardness that I have with church leaders um, because of that. And, and you may have some hurt in your life too. My wife gave me permission to share this when she was uh, graduating college, she was working part-time for a church in Indiana as their middle school minister and had made an arrangement with the church. The church had invited her to come on full-time after she graduated, which was uh, coming up very, very quickly. She was going to move from, from part-time to full-time. And right about the time that happened, just like days, within days after you had graduated, um, my wife was pulled into the senior minister's office and told that, in fact, she would not be going full-time. They were letting her go immediately. And could she still do youth group that night? Because um, <laughs> church. Um, here's the kicker to that story. Within a month, they had hired a man full-time to do her job. There's some hurt that my wife deals with in church. There's some hurt that we deal with in church sometimes, whether that hurt comes because of our gender or because of our marital status or because of our uh, sexuality or because of the things that we were taught or whatever, the things that we watched our parents go through, the things that we went through. Several of us in the room are um, retired or former pastors, and I know that you have church hurt in your lives. That's, that's just part of the reality of it. And I think it would be pretty amazing to find a group of people gathered uh, who do not have some kind of 
mixed bag of emotions when they talk about what church is and being a part of church. And honestly, it is, um, it is beautiful to me um, to be a part of a group of people who are still willing to gather with all of their hurts and with all of that, that junk that we carry around with all of that baggage and still say, I, I think I want to be a part of something. There's something here that's worthwhile. I want to be a part of a group of people. I want to be a part of something bigger than I am. There's, there's enough beauty that it outweighs. There's enough hope that it outweighs. There's enough grace that it outweighs. And I, I, I don't pretend that this is a perfect church. There, I am sure, have been moments, if you've been here long enough, there you have experienced church hurt here. I don't pretend to be a perfect pastor. I am aware that I have caused hurt in other people to my great shame. We want to be better. We want to get better. We want to do church better. Unfortunately, when the world thinks about church, uh, they think mostly not about a group of of imperfect people who are clinging to hope and striving for joy and peace and love, but they think of the institution of the church that has been so responsible for so long, for so much hurt. And when our world thinks about church, they may think about uh, the sexual abuse that has been uncovered in institutional churches about physical abuse that happened at religious boarding schools. There was just a, a blurb in the news this last week about a, a West Virginia religious school that has been ordered to pay like $100 million to the families of, of victims of physical abuse. When they think about church, maybe they think about, um, maybe they think about churches that, that do not allow segments of their population to fully participate to be fully included. When the world thinks about church, they may have a lot of negativity. When we think about church, we may have a lot of ambiguity. But what if the church could be more like Jesus? That's what's been going through my head as I think about church. And as I've been, been putting together the framework for this series that, that Meg and Marty and Katie and I are going to share in over the next three months? What if the church could be more like Jesus? Because ultimately, that's what the church is. It's an extension of the person and work of Jesus. It's people who have gathered because of Jesus. It's people who have gathered ostensibly in the name of Jesus. It's people who have gathered for the work of Jesus. So what if the church could be more like Jesus? That question in and of itself gives me um, hope. And I still have doubts and I still have wrestlings and it's okay to have doubts and to have wrestlings about church. That's perfectly fine. But when I think about church, I also have hope. When I think about church, there is beauty there. When I think about church, there is some joy there because I believe that the church can be more like Jesus. Well, what would that look like? Just very briefly this morning, I want to share with you four verses in the Gospel of John uh, where Jesus tells us something about himself that I think are applicable to the church. 
four things about himself, about his purpose, about his reason for being, about the reason that he is here on the earth that I think matter to a church that's striving to become more like Jesus. These uh, four verses are kind of all scattered through the book of John. Uh, They're not exhaustive, by the way, of the things that Jesus says uh, about himself, but there are four verses that that have really kind of struck me um, in, in preparing for this. The first one is in John 6, 38. John 6, 38 is the first verse, and Jesus says, Uh, to a a group of people, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Uh, Every one of these statements, by the way, is Jesus telling us, I have come in order to do something. And like I said, this is not an exhaustive list in the Gospels. Jesus has many more I have come sayings than this. There are many more in the Gospel of John itself, but these four, I think, are especially pertinent to us today as we imagine a church more like Jesus. So Jesus says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And I don't think that we really grasp how amazingly beautiful that statement is. For Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, for Jesus, who is the God Word, for Jesus, who has existed from the beginning, who is the agent of creation, for him to say, I am not here for my own will, is honestly pretty staggering. Instead, he says, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. Too many times I think we we try to make church about what we want church to be. Um, Chris and I were having a conversation right before church about friends that we have had who have moved on from churches we've been a part of because They didn't like something about church. They wanted church to be different in some way, more like what they wanted it to be. And honestly, I can commiserate with that. There have been times where I've wanted to say, nope, see ya, this is not what I want. I, I need, we need, the church needs this kind of understanding. We're not here for our own will but for the will of him who sent us. Jesus teaches us to pray. Thy kingdom come. What's the next line? Thy will be done. This is is core to the identity of a Jesus follower, to say, not my will, but the Father's be done. And so if we want to be a church that is more like Jesus, that requires us to set aside some of our own will and to say, God's will be done. Spirit, you get to lead. It's not about us. In order for that to happen, by the way, that's, that's a nice thing to say, that's a hard thing to do. In order for that to happen, um, the church needs to be a church uh, of prayer and of fasting. It needs to be a church that regularly denies itself. It's where fasting comes in. Fasting is a practice of denying self in order to seek God. That's where prayer comes in. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And so I want to encourage you, if you are not regularly practicing prayer and fasting over God's will, specifically for his church, this church, and perhaps the global church as well, I want to invite you to that. I'm not going to check up on you. You don't have to sign up for a time. But I want to encourage you, if you have not done that ever, or if it's been a while since you've done that, would you consider 
taking a, a, a regular time or semi-regular time or even trying it once, a time of prayer and fasting to say, not my will, but yours, be done. I want it to be a church that's more like Jesus, and in order for that to happen, we need God's will. The next verse that um, caught my attention is John 10.10, which is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly, or in some translations that they may have it to the full, which I really like the way that that sounds. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Sabbath, um, that, that Jesus has come for that which will bring life. Jesus is interested in whatever brings life. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, it's on our website, it's under the podcast tab. I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that message on Sabbath where we talked about that which brings life. Um, partly because I don't have time to rehash it all right now. But Jesus is interested in whatever brings life. And if we are not bringing life into the world, can we call ourselves a people like Jesus? Can we call ourselves a church like Jesus? And so we want to be, as a church, a community that, that helps to bring life into the world, that, that does not steal away hope, that does not steal away joy. There is too much of that in the church. There are entire... Listen, there are entire denominations in America that were founded in order to stop people from having the abundant life that God uh, has in store for them. The, 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 the Southern Baptist Convention and its origins springs to mind. And there are still churches today that, are, that, that say, we, we're not okay with people having abundant life. We're not okay with, with equality of all people. We're not okay with everyone uh, being able to use their God-given talents, gifts, and abilities equally in the church. That doesn't sound like Jesus to me. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and that it may be a full one, that you may have abundant life. And so we want to be a church where people can use their talents, their gifts, their experiences. We've got some um, small groups coming up this fall. We're calling them equipped groups, and we're asking people in the church who have um, kind of a, a special talent or a special direction or something that they're passionate about to use the thing that God has given them in order to bless other people in uh, um, some groups. So we've got some groups that are coming up where we're going to dive into the Bible. We've got some groups coming up where we're going to dive into art as spiritual practice. We, got some, uh, we have a group coming up where we're going to talk about trauma and, and how to deal with it in our own life because we have somebody in the church that has made that part of their life to, to know how to deal with that and wants to help us deal with that. We want to be a church where, places, uh, where things like that can happen, where people can use their gifts and their talents in order to bring life. If we want to be a church that's more like Jesus, we need to be a church that's bringing life into the world. The last two verses um, all, both come from the same passage, but I want to tackle them individually. This is in John chapter 12, and it's verses 46 and 47. Let's deal with verse 46 first. It says this. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that anyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I have come as light into the world. And a church that looks more like Jesus will look like a church that is bringing light into the world, that is helping people walk out of 
darkness. Jesus has come to help us see, he says. To see what? To see truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth about our world, truth about God. He's come to help us see the Father. One of the, one of the ways that we know what God is like is because we can see Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. God has always been loving like Jesus. He has always been gracious like Jesus. He has always been healing like Jesus. He has always been merciful like Jesus. He has always been patient like Jesus. There was a time that we didn't know that about God because we did not know Jesus. But now we know Jesus, and so we know God. Jesus helps us to see because he is light. Jesus helps us to see opportunities. He helps us to see the hurt in the world around us. He helps us to see that the world is not as it should be, but he also helps us to see that the world could be better than it is. And a church that is more like Jesus will see those things as well and help others to see them too. And so we want to be a church that is a light in the darkness. In fact, this is um, one of those things where Jesus says that he is something and also says that we should be that thing too. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus literally tells us that, that we, as his people, are a light to the world, as though a city lifted up on a hill. And so we want to be a light to the world. We want to help people see God. We want to help people see a better way. We want to help people see opportunities for peace. We want to help people see opportunities for joy. We want to help people see opportunities for healing. We want to be a light. Jesus follows up this statement, I have come to be a light, with uh, uh, his fourth I have come statement that I wanted to, to, us to check out this morning. It says this. This is verse 47 of John chapter 12. I do not judge anyone who hears my words and does not keep them, for I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. Before I dive into this, let me be perfectly honest. There is um, a verse about four chapters prior to this where Jesus says that he did come to judge. So you got to take that up with Jesus, all right? Um, but here, in this particular verse, Jesus says, I have not come to judge, but I have come to save. This is at the core of why Jesus is here, to bring salvation. In fact, if we go back far enough in John, we end up in John chapter 3 um, to that um, most wonderful of verses that speaks to us about the deep, deep love that God has for the world, a love so deep that it caused him to send his son into the world so that the world might be saved. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but to rescue the world through his son. And so Jesus owns that. He says, I, I'm here for salvation. I'm not here for judgment. What if the church could get behind that? What if the church could get behind that statement? What a difference that would make in the church, I think, in our world. Uh, honestly, when I talk to people about church, both people who are not part of the church and people who have been part of the church, one of the things that the church is best known for is judginess. That's just like at the top of the list of things that we are known for. In fact, in a recent um, survey of Gen Z people, uh, that is people who are um, 
in college, in high school, and have just graduated from college. Um, that group of people was asked why you don't go to church or why you have stopped going to church. The top three reasons that were given all had to do with the church's judgmentalism toward other groups of people. It's what we're known for. That's awful. I don't want to be known for that. Instead, I want to be known for the thing that Jesus was known for, his loving salvation. And a church that is more like Jesus will be a church that offers salvation to people. A church that is more like Jesus will be a, a church that offers love to people. That is not to say that we do not um, offer also truth, that we do not offer the, the, the full testimony of God's word and all the things that are in there, even things that are hard to understand and difficult to apply. But above and beyond every other thing, the thing that I want to be known for is being like Jesus, and being like Jesus means loving the world enough to offer hope of salvation. What if we set aside our judgment and we're known as a people who love to offer salvation in the same way that Jesus did, freely and willingly, without making anyone jump through hoops, just bringing people to God and letting them know the love of the Father that made them. You are uh, here today. You are part of church, a church, this particular church. And you may have been here for a long, long time. Some of you have been here from the beginning of this church. Some of you have been here for many, many years. Some of you have been here for just a few years. I have been here for one year's. Um, this week is my one-year anniversary at the church, and I have to say that I have enjoyed being here. I love being a part of this church. Maybe you're here today and you're just checking church out. You've been here for a week or two or three. Let me ask you whether you've been here since the beginning or this is your first Sunday with us. What kind of a church do you want to be? What kind of a church do you want to be a part of? For me, I want to be a part of a church that's more like Jesus. And so I'm committed to helping us build that. I hope that you'll join me in that. I hope that you'll join us in that. To be a, a part of a church that is like Jesus means surrounding ourselves with people that help us do that. To surround ourselves with people who are like Jesus. So, so let me encourage you, if you're looking for a, a place, if you're looking for a group of people that are trying to be like Jesus, we would love for you to be a part of this group of people. We're trying to do that. We're not perfect at it. Sometimes we're not even good at it. But we are trying to be more like Jesus, and we would love to have you be a part of that. Or, or maybe you're here today and you... Um, you are not yet a Christian. You're not yet a follower of Jesus. But you would like to be. You would like to be a follower of a person who has come with salvation and with light and with hope and with healing and to help you have a full life. And if that's the case, we would love to talk with you about that. You can come see me. You can see Meg. You can see Jeffrey. You can talk to the person that's sitting in the row next to you. Um, 
we would love to talk with you about what it means to, to follow Jesus and to be his and to be part of his church, whether it's the Big C Church or this particular church. And as we head into the next few weeks uh, in our series on church, our goal ultimately is for uh, us as a church to be a church that is more like Jesus. And we hope that, that the next few weeks will help us to do that. But for right now, for this moment, I'd just like you to put on your imagination caps with me and ask the question, what if we were? What if we were a church that was more like Jesus? What if we were a church that was dedicated to God's will above our own will? What if we were a church that was dedicated to bringing life instead of taking it away? What if we were a church that was committed to being a light in our world and helping people see the goodness of God? What if we were a church that loved the people around us enough to share the good news of hope and salvation? That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. We come every week um, as a, a people gathered, as a church, uh, to the table, to communion. We do it in part to remind us of who we're called to be, that we're called to be a particular, peculiar kind of people, that we're called to be a people committed to, dedicated to God, walking in step with Jesus, that we're called to be a people who are bringing life and light and hope and salvation into the world. And so we come to the communion table today to remind ourselves that we are on a journey to become more like Jesus. And that happens first and foremost because of his great love for us and his sacrifice upon the cross. And so we come and we take the bread and we take the juice and we remember his body and we remember his blood given so that we could become a church in his image. We also come every week uh, with a confession because we remind ourselves that while we're in the process of becoming like Jesus, we are not there yet. There are things that, that are not the way that we want them to be in our own lives and in our life as a body. And so we speak our confession and we come to the table reminding ourselves that we are on a journey to be more like Jesus. So uh, in just a moment, we're going to do that. Um, I'm going to invite you in just a second to stand with me and to confess together. After that, you're free to come to the table if you so choose and take the bread and take the cup and take them back to your seat. And then when everyone has been served, we'll take those things together. Right now, if you are willing and if you are able, would you join me standing? And we will come before the table with a word of confession.